everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. It's Pete and Craig flying in solo. Well, I guess not solo, but... <laughs> I was, gonna, I was like listening to you say that we're flying solo together. I like that. <laughs> uh, that we, we were just commenting on the zoom, how now it, when you hit record, it tells you recording in progress. And we think it's because uh, too many people have been busted in this COVID environment, doing creepy stuff on, uh, on being recorded. And that one guy who got caught, caught, uh, what do they say, Craig? How do they say it politely? Uh, uh, I don't know how to say it politely. I guess pleasing himself. Jerking his ding dong. <laughs> that is not how they say it. Well, that, that's, how, that's how we would say it in my house. <laughs> yeah. Well, fortunately, uh, our kids are so young. I don't think we have to worry about any uh, ding dong conversations um, just yet. Well, today we are, well, today we are going to be uh, recording too with uh, the one and the only, the famous Peter Malouk, um, head of creative planning. When he speaks, you better listen about the economic climate. But Craig and I had some time before that, and I wanted to get on something that is kind of in the same vein of that. And it's something I talk about to him a lot um, is, um, is, you know, debt and you know, the environment and the inflationary environment, but it's really not that. It's really how to get out of debt and how to get out of debt efficiently as possible. And so we ascribe to two different methodologies, I think. Um, but I, I, I was going to do a kind of a informational YouTube on this and then post it as a podcast. But Lacey, our director, said, look, it's not a very good. It's really hard to do by yourself without, you know, from an audio standpoint. But I think it'll be better with the banter of you and I. Well, so, we're also very different on debt. We always talk about this. We have very different uh constructs about it and the way we view it. So this is a natural conversation that you and I always have, but the slide presentation looks pretty damn cool. I like well, the color. It was, it was pretty yeah, orange. It's orange is a good, orange is a good color. It just makes you happy. It makes um, me happy looking at it. You know, it's funny when I met you, you know, I was, you know, I remember, remember me being like, I'm, I was very, very debt averse um, right. with everything. And you kind of have gotten in my, in my kitchen a little bit about like, look, not all debt is bad. It was just kind of the way I was raised. And like, obviously I didn't pay off mortgages and stuff that but um but you kind of opened my eyes to the fact that look debt is a good debt is a form of leverage and leverage you can move the world um and you know and naval talks about that a lot like having having a, a forms of good debt that you can you know where there's arbitrage and situations like that you can you can actually do really well so not and all I also that is think bad. too peter I, I think it's a conversation about timing so mm. we, we start off in, in, in our careers and our life with a certain set of rules. Okay, let's, let me get to this first level. And what happens is we'll get to the second, third, fourth, and 10th level, and we'll never change the rules. There's different rules for different times of your life. So I think it's just important. I think what wound up happening to you is you had someone in your ear when you were 21 years old. And then you never changed the 21 year old financial psychology yep. and rules that you're playing by. And now you're a grown ass man of 40 something and your, your metrics and your numbers are different. Yep. So I think it's important to just <clears throat> always reevaluate you in the life cycle the of where you are. Right. Yes. Right. Yeah. So look, there's a couple ways. And I think that I mean, we're going to go, I think we dig into this, but there's, there's three real, real ways of, of methodologies of debt repayment as I dug into this. Cause I know the one that I kind of used and, and, um, and it helped me kind of just having a formula. But obviously, as I dug in, I found that there's kind of some other methodologies as well, and people feel equally as strong about that. Um, so the first one is called the debt snowball. And this is the one that I think de uh, that, that Dave Ramsey deploys. 
Yeah. Right. So it, 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 what the debt snowball is that it ignores interest percent, but it just takes whatever your smallest debt is. You, you just say, oh, well, I don't care what the, what the interest rate is. I'm just going to pay that one down. And so his is a momentum thing, right? Because you feel victorious when you pay off the $10,000 credit card. And then you take what he's saying is then you take those funds and you deploy it to the next baddest actor in the group. So it gives you this momentum and you, and you start feeling like you see progress. I, from a scientific, from a math side, I don't love that one. Well, it's not meant to be a math equation. It's meant to I be know, a, I know. It's a psychology thing. So <clears throat> half well, of the statins that are pre- prescribed by doctors, Peter, you know, half the pills that are prescribed by doctors are just because the average person won't make the diet or exercise changes necessary to improve their health. So that's why they get a pill. Right. So that's what this is. This is an easy pill to swallow because it shows human psychology. Most people have such an adverse psychology around money that just getting a small win. Yep is is inertia in the right direction so this is a behavioral approach not a scientific or financial approach it's a behavioral approach did you ever did you ever did you ever use this method never okay no but i listen to dave ramsey on youtube and i don't i don't like him well i i I just i don't like his teachings well, he, he's very opinionated and he's kind of like one size fits all. And I think he's speaking to a different type of audience. So when you have a caller come in and I, I've heard doctors come in, they say like, I have blank dollars of net worth. They're like, whoa, he's like, whoa, my God, incredible. Like, you, you know, he's got that whole program. Right. <clears throat> so I think he's speaking to like more of the average, maybe not person common america yeah yeah common america yeah and the so fact that me- he just does he hates crypto and that makes me hate him so well um, he he hates all debt so he he doesn't he's all about paying off your home mortgage too and i have a lot of wealthy wealthy friends that are not putting more money into their houses right now oh no that's that's another maybe we'll save that for the end but he okay. does he does not like the home mortgage correct um, I just don't think, I think you're right. I think he just doesn't like debt at any, any form turn or whatever. And he wants you to like, you know, it's like the millionaire next door. It's that book, that horrible book. It's like, Oh, just, you know, like live your life in, in half mode and cut your toilet paper in half and like never drink a Starbucks. And like, that's not live. That's not living. That's the worst book. Everyone that was so popular, like the millionaire next door, like be miserable, be rich by being miserable, like horrible methodology. Well, I mean, you can be wealthy and be miserable by spending everything you have. Like um, what Scott Galloway says, he has people in his world that make $2 million a year in between their, you know, two ex-wives and their house in the Aspen, they're, they're, they have mm-hmm. money pressure. So I guess the goal is really to figure out a life where you have the things that you want, but you don't, not torturing yourself by leaving, leave, uh, lying up at night, you know, worry that you can't make. You know, well, there, I think this is an important conversation, Brett, because no one really had these conversations with me and like you said to the 21 year old pete and like so i know there's a lot of people listening that probably have school loans and you know and you know either from undergrad or dental school and like kind of figuring and then now they've got mortgage now they've got car payments now they've got consumer debt now they've got practice debt and like which one to do and that's probably a longer conversation but i thought it was just important to just throw some education around different actions different schools of thought of debt so that you can see which one's going to work for you because it's not they all work right Meaning they would all work in theory. It's just which one do you that's it gets that resonates. All right, new for 2021. We want to invite everyone listening to join us on our private network. It's free to join. Join the conversation at bulletproof.dental. You can even download it in the app store. Just look for the Mighty Network app. 
and you can download it there. But just point your browser to bulletproof.dental and join and sign up and start collaborating on um, some of the ideas we discuss on the podcast. Um, there's content there to download, and um, it's all designed to help grow and stimulate us together. Hope everyone has a great day. So the next one is called the debt avalanche. And I think I've done this one more. I actually did this one more for my student loan kind of aspect, but it's where you pay off the, um, it's where you pay off the highest interest rate first, thereby lowering your rate. And, and obviously, you know what that means, Craig, but the, but the effective rate gets lessened by the principal amount getting decreased. Right. Right. So it's the best option. If you look from a math, I actually dug into this one a little bit. Yeah, that's the one I've described to as well. It's the best one from a mathematical. It makes the most sense to do because you're reducing the principal and the one that has is the biggest offender, meaning the highest interest rate. So you're, you're, you're mitigating the effect of that interest rate by reducing the principal. That, unfortunately, I think you lose a lot of motivation. Um, by doing that because it's, it's sometimes it's your biggest debt. And so it's sometimes it's like shooting a, a you know, elephant with a BB gun. You're like, it's not doing anything. This yeah. debt isn't, you know, I'm, this is not doing anything to this debt. This is what I'm throwing out this $5,000 extra every year or whatever. One thing to be uh, aware of back up a slide. And this is for business debts. I was not aware of this, Peter, but when you pay off those debts, that comes through as a distribution from your company. Those are taxable events, by the mm-hmm. way. So let's just say you have a $30,000 loan on your SEREC or something like that. It's at 7%. You're like, oh, that was, that's pretty high. If you have ec- this extra 30000 lying around and you wind up slicking that debt, you're going to owe the taxes on the 30000 You owe ordinary income taxes. It's ordinary just income. Like- that's well, a, it's, bis- it's business income. Right. But right. still, it increases your adjusted gross income. Sure. Something that you, maybe a lot of people, I bet that at least half the people listening to this didn't know that. And that's really important. Yeah. Was that, it was designed, uh, it was not, that's designed, that's not a bug. That's a feature of what the way they designed the system. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> they want you and, to buy. And by the way, and by the way, the interest on your debt is tax deductible when it's for a business expense. Of course. So, so in the con- in the context of a right. business vehicle, so, right? Yeah. So let's back up again because we're going right into tactics with with different ways to pay off debt. So let's just say you you know you were very proud. You'd always say to me like, "Oh yeah, I did it for cash. I did this for cash." So it, right now we're in an interest rate environment as of this recording. We're probably like three and a half percent. Would you say, Pete? Maybe a little lower. I don't know. I actually looked at my credit line just looking at that, and they're doing it at two and a half percent right now. Okay. So I think so it's that's- prime plus one. Okay, so let's just say for normal people, three. Let's call it three and a half, right? Okay. And let's say the at the adjusted your income tax is going to be what this year? What do you think? Thirty eight percent for most of us. Soon to be forty, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. Let's just call it forty for twenty twenty two. Let's just say that um, the legislation that's being talked about goes forward. Mm-hmm. So really, your your effective interest rate is three point five percent. And then you're going to save 40% of that on your taxes. So it's times 0.6. So you're borrowing money. At, if it's 3.5%, you're borrowing money at 2.1. And let's just throw a little inflation in there. Let's just say that the government's inflation rules of like that's only 2 and 3%, which you and I know is totally bullshit. <laughs> let's just say it's really 10%, which is like if you look at the Chapworth Index and your gas and Starbucks and all that shit or lumber, let's just say it is 10%. That means you're if your money is losing 10% or 5% and you're borrowing at 2.1%, like why pay that one off? Well, and that's Craig, you're hitting something, you know, 
And that's what I was always hitting on you when we first talked. You're like, totally. I, did, I built that for cash. I'm like, but that cash? was before the, that was, be, look, we were having those conversations though, when the dollar was strong and we so it in. made sense then though. And it makes more sense now. I agree with you. I, I agree with you. As long as you don't look, as long as someone listening to us, and this is not financial advice, just so we're just make sure we make that disclaimer. Yeah, We are definitely not financial advisors. We're just two guys talking about what we do. But I mean, but now it's, I, I totally agree with you. As long as you're not over levered in your debt, meaning that, meaning when I say over levered, as long as you have six months of support, whatever that payment is, and you decide not to pay that, you have six months of reserve for whatever that is for each building you own, for each, whatever you have, you have for each your house, you have six months of reserves for all of it. So if it goes to squat, you're not, you're not all of a sudden over levered and you get in a scenario of 2008 where you're now, it's now a shit show and you're going to lose things to the bank. So I just don't like, I like leverage, but I want to make sure people don't get over levered. Well, yeah, there's three currencies I always talk about, emotion, time, and money, Pete. So you can lever up with money and then you'll pay with emotion and time. You'll sleep, you'll have no sleep and you'll be miserable. So don't put yourself, and by the way, we're talking, you and but it's I one of the, But it is one of the greatest tools though for creating unbelievable. wealth. Yeah, leverage. unbelievable. However, you and I made an agreement when we first started this conversation. I want to make sure that we're being ta- we're talking openly. You and I talk about business investments. We are not talking about um, <laughs> Ferraris. Ferraris. So just just for the listener that knows, yes, Peter I'm and glad I. You made that disclaimer. Right, right. So Peter and I, if if I called Peter, like put it this way, I wanted to buy like an RV trailer back before COVID. It was like what was it, eighteen grand or something? It was. Peter? The, yeah, it was, it I was, was del- out the door twenty one thousand. Yeah, and you would think I was buying like uh, a small country. You right, deliberated yeah. on that yeah. for six months. Like, should I, I like, buy dude. Luxembourg? Should I take <laughs> Luxembourg down? <laughs> it was literally like shut the fuck up and buy it. it I'll such, send you the money. It was so. But, I was. I literally was just gonna buy it for you. I was so tired the, of hearing about but it. But the funny. So that's important. We're not. Peter and I are. We are. We we don't. We're not big luxury purchase people. We're not doing things like what? that. Look at this sweet Apple Watch. What are you talking well, look about? Look at this dude. Garmin, bro. I went up to. <laughs> they only made 17 million of these. Um, anyway, it, it, so it's important to talk about that because dentists, I think, find themselves in a trap. And, and it's the trap that each year we make a little bit more money and we spend a little bit more. And we're going to deep dive in that with Peter Malouk um, this afternoon as well. But uh, we're not talking about buying a boat. The, you know, you got to re- recognize what's an appreciating versus a depreciating asset. And like, if you're going to do something, you might just be parking your money and it might just be a, fl- a hedge against inflation, meaning your dollars will be preserved if, if the dollars turn into the melting ice cubes that Peter always talks about. Mm-hmm. So debt and-, and Peter Bolden talks about, not Peter Malouk. Yeah, Peter Malouk. Let's make sure we clarify yeah. which, which genius Peter you're talking about. Okay, so so yeah, the debt avalanche, <laughs> paying them down. All right, debt avalanche. There I've you done. go. I've so this that. is the one that I I got um, a long time ago from my friend Gar- Garrett Gunderson. I know um, you know you've you've had conversations with him, and this is when you know, and I know they do it because it's it's a whole life, and you know that's a that's a vehicle. We're not going to go there, but I, I really liked this cash flow index that he kind of exposed me to, and I didn't use it, Greg, to buy more. Uh, insurance or anything like that. That, that was his spirit of the why he did that. Well, maybe, him. maybe he's a, he's an <laughs> awesome dude. Um, anyway, the cash flow index was really cool, but it also ignores the interest rate, not dissimilar to the debt snowball. But it so it looks at, and this is where you hear the expression like cash is king, cash is king. I always remember hearing that. I was like, yeah, I think personally that cash flow is king. So this one is what something that optimizes your cash flow, right? And so what you do is you pay off 
the debt that is the most inefficient? And, and how do you get like, quote unquote, you, is there efficient debt, inefficient debt? Uh, apparently there is in this zone. You can Google this. Um, it's, a, it's a cash flow index and you can get this, this numerator or the, I guess this ratio of, and it'll show you if you do the math. And essentially how you do it is to get your cash flow index, you take your balance divided by your minimum payment. And that gives you a number. So if that number is super low, it means the, it means the debt is ultra inefficient. If it's high, very efficient, over a hundred. Typically your mortgage or things where you've got like a two, two and a half percent, you Craig, like your mortgage is, you know, high balance and low, um, and low payment because it's amortized over 30 years. It's a very efficient debt. Okay. So I like this well, because- it's also the, efficient too, because in theory, it, the house could appreciate. So that's that's the other- And it's also the hard. hedge against what we just said, right? Who right. knows what's going to happen to the dollar in 30 years? By the so way, you know what I just did with my house, right, Peter? I just did a refi. Interest, I did interest a refi, only. but interest only. So a lot of my really, really smart, very wealthy friends are like, well, why are you paying? And by the way, two, three years ago, I was putting more principal into my house, Right. more principal. Right. Well, but that's, again, the economic climate we're in. And right now that's your hedge, but you have the cash reserves to to be able to, exactly. So it's, you're just gamifying the situation at this point, but I like this even back in the day. And so Greg, I've always had a, you know, you know, we always ascribe to the Pearson's law, even in, when we're talking about our practices, what you track gets better, what you track increases. And I did that on my own personal side. I actually had had a net, a net worth tracker on my personal side since I was 25, right? Here's my assets, here's my liabilities, blah, 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 blah. And so in that, I also had this cash flow index. So I would take all my debt and calculate it based on, and it would give me that. And so I identify, it would identify my dangerous, quote unquote, in the cash flow index loans. And it did help me identify a target because I would say, Ooh, that one sucks. Let's figure out a way to get rid of that. And ironically, my most inefficient loan at the time was my student loans. Yeah. So that was a focus and that felt good to go after an attack and get rid of those things. Cause they are just, they just feel, I don't know. They just beat you up for some By reason. the way, you just got to get resourceful. We had a guy in our mastermind that had a rate of blank percentage. I can't remember what it is. I'm like, dude, that sucks. Like, go shop that. Well, I did. I went to two other banks. I'm like, we'll keep shopping it. And ultimately, he found a patient who's on the board of a local bank and wound up saving him a lot of money. And just for signing, pay- you and I, for signing paperwork, have created massive cash flow. In our well, look, here's another interesting method to do with, with student loans. And I started to do this as well and go down this. If you have equity in your home, which probably if you own a home right now, you you have, because house values have have gone crazy. So you've probably got equity, even no matter when you bought it, you probably got equity. So you and student loans are not tax deductible up to a certain point if you start making more than that. But house loans up to a million dollars in aggregate are. So if you have equity- Up to a million dollars. Up to a million dollars, right. And so you could you could get a cash out, you could could take a, a second mortgage on your home in, in moderation, hopefully, and um, and pay down your student loans, which you're just converting that debt. And then by doing that, you probably lower the interest rate to in the threes, because I know a lot of people are in the six and sevens right now I talk to. You lower your interest rate automatically, and then you're also converting it into a more efficient debt based on the cash flow index, what we're talking about. So that is a method that I think is a, is a cool uh thing to modify and pay it, pay it off with, with, uh, with equity from your home, as opposed to just unsecured debt from 
student loans. Also having unsecured debt is another thing to have. If you have it on your balance, your own personal balance sheet, I think when you go to apply for loans, banks get nervous when they see unsecured debt. There's no way they can reassess. There's no way they can reclaim your brain. They can reclaim your house and they feel better about that collateral. They don't feel good about the collateral of your brain. So unsecured debt, which student loans, I think they look at like, okay, we understand you have it because you're a doctor, but we really don't love it. And so you get penalized, I think, in the, in the, um, yep. in the approval process, right? Um, don't, wouldn't you agree? No, hundred percent. hundred percent. As you were talking, by the way, uh, I was thinking that, um, are you going to hit inflation somewhere through this? I haven't seen this. I'm really not. Um, but I just want to say one, one small pin about inflation, Peter, you, you and I talk about this a lot offline. So inflation penalizes the poor and helps the rich because inflation pays off your debt for you. Mm -hmm. So when your mortgage payment, um, that's, you know, a thousand or 2000, well, it doesn't penalize the poor. It penalizes the people that don't have assets or the poor don't have assets. Assets, unfortunately. All right. All right. So rich people own assets. That's that's what rich people do. That's what they do. Those are the rules of the rich. They own assets. And when you and I are filling up our tanks with $10 gas or buying $9 and $12 Starbucks coffees in a couple of years from now, your student loan payment, your fixed, uh, fixed payment on your house, as long as it's not an adjustable rate, or any of the other fixed um, payments of repayments are all being paid down by inflation, meaning it's the same dollars. It's the, you don't, the, the same dollars of your debt payment are not being inflation adjusted. So the time value of money, it was a big deal, you know, a hundred dollars, uh, you know, a hundred years ago could buy you a car. Right. So, so, so in, in 20 years, <laughs> oh, a hundred years ago, a car, yeah. you cannot buy you a car, bud. Uh, dude, a hundred years ago. Yeah. Okay. You keep, just keep staying on target here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to show you right. Um, all right. Um, so I don't know about a car, Craig. I think a model T when they first came out, by the okay, way, it was like 150. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, a dollar. Literally you just thought you could buy a car for a dollar in 1900. No, $100. I said, Oh, I thought you said a dollar. No, I said a hundred dollars. Well, that's even that. Well, a dollar and a hundred are still. Well, the probably. point is, it wasn't as sensational as you said, and inflation will happen, whether you believe it or not. It's going to happen. And, of course, uh, it is. You can't print two trillion with four trillion more on the on the uh, on the docket and think that like nothing's going to happen to the ice cube that you're holding. That's a whole yeah. different conversation, and that's what we're going to talk to Peter Maluk about. Yeah, like, I can't what is wait the hedge? To talk to him. What is the hedge? All right, but coming back to the cash flow, just for a second, Craig, and then we'll wrap is that I, I did find an area where I found that the cash flow in my life, the cash flow index was breaking down. And that was with credit card or consumer debt because you can make a minimum payment, right? So remember how you, you calculate- Were you doing that, by the way? Were you making- nah, Well, I, yeah, sometimes I did have some credit card debt. I mean- well, Yeah, look. I never did that. That's like, no. that's- well, you, were, you, were born, uh, you were born with a little bit more of a silver spoon than, than this guy. Yeah, well, listen. I had to pay well, for my dental school. You got it yeah. paid for- well, I mean, listen, I had to pay for a little bit of it, but yes, I, I, if we're talking about who's blessed, I am blessed. I'm Craig, not going to lie. Craig, all you got to do one. is just put on some sunglasses and block all the haters, buddy. Just put them yeah, on. Exactly. <laughs> what, speaking of blockers, are those blue blockers? Who no, makes those these fucking are glasses? These are great. What are you talking about, dude? These are bad. They look like the 3D glasses you get in a movie theater for free at like Epcot. <laughs> Did we just walk out of Michael Jackson's Neo exhibit at the uh, Epcot? Yeah. These are greater stylish, dude. All right, keep going. This, this is, is important. So yeah, right. credit card debt, big no-no, big no-no. So yeah. So anyway, so this is where the, the formulaically it breaks down because if you if you cash flow index, you remember you get it by taking the balance you owe divided by your minimum payment, and in your minimum payment in a credit card, they pretty much will let you pay fifty cents 
right? Because yeah. they love you having a balance because it's at like care 19, credit too, by the way. Care 19%. Yeah, care credit. It's at like nine. So the so because mm-hmm. cash flow index ignores formulaically the interest rate, and you could sometimes have 19%. See how it's highlighted here, 19%. It it um it has a very good number, meaning it has a 200 as the efficiency. And eventually this breaks down as I kind of did the math more and more, eventually breaks down because that debt is compounding by 19%. So it takes quote unquote, this efficient loan and eventually converts it into something that is very problematic. As we all know, like, you know, if you have credit card, this, I think I should have made the disclaimer. If you have credit card debt, that's obviously the first one to get rid of. Yeah. You got to get rid of that one. And then the last method is just something called debt flood. And this is where you come into some money, you've had a great month and you just dump it onto something, something that you just hate. And whether it's psychologically your student loans. Um, By the way, that's, that's, it. A, that's an important thing to talk about. There was a podcast or something that we, you and I talked about one time, where it was like the plate theory, like people eat what's on their plate yeah. the podcast we did. So like back in the day, like George Washington and that era, you know, the, the revolutionary war um, plates were very small. Like, so the average dinner plate was the size of like a saucer as it would mm-hmm. be today. And people were not fat, as fat as they were today. And there's a theory that the larger your plate, the more you'll eat. And it's proven. So if you give someone a larger plate at a buffet, they'll fill it all the way up to the top and they'll yep. eat the whole damn thing. If you give someone a smaller plate, they'll do the same. Same thing with your finances. So if you're looking, if you've been having rocking months and you're looking at hundreds or millions of dollars in your bank account, hundreds of thousands or thousands or a lot more money than you've ever had, you're going to tend to make more poor decisions because you have a larger plate. So putting that money towards debt. Wait, times, times, times for a second. So you're saying when you aggregate, when you're all of a sudden have a healthy full plate balance in your bank account, you make you a lot of cash. decisions. You have, if you have a lot of cash, you'll tend to make poor, more poor decisions. Hmm. One of the reasons why I think real estate is so great, and you, you and I have talked about this, because if you buy an income, a piece of income producing real estate, we all know we should save more. We all know we should, you know, at the end of the year, we talk to our financial planners and whoever, and like you should, you know, you should put more money away. I will do that next year. I'll put more money next year. But like real estate, if you don't, if you're five days late on putting that payment in, mm-hmm. you'll get, you'll get a penalty. And it's forced you'll, savings. You're saying, yeah, it's forced savings. Look, I've got something great coming up for the summit with this. And there's something I posted on mighty network and, it, and going into the whole real estate and why real estate is such a great, why you and I have always loved real estate. Love and it, it talks about, you know, it talks about how kind of it minimizes your tax, why you have it increases your income, the forced savings, it's a hedge, all the things. And I talk about this bonus, bonus depreciation, depreciation, cost segregation, and it, and the whole thing. Yes. And it's levered, right? You're using the bank's money to get all the benefit. Yeah. It's like the reason why Trump is so hated for his tax returns is because he's a real estate guy. My, one of my best friends, Michael, he paid no taxes. He paid no taxes for my buddy. My buddy, Michael pays like nothing in taxes and he's not doing anything illegal. He's just using the The tax tax code. code. Yep. Yep. Um, Which um, might change, you know, but uh, why? Well, well because, change that after you know, there's 1030, you know, there's a lot of talk in the Biden administration about doing away with 1031 exchanges and, you know, there's a lot of talk. So yeah, we'll they're see. also talking about taxing unrealized gains, which cannot, will not happen. But well, we'll anyway, see. they we'll cannot, it, our, our, it's a fabric of America. Okay. That being said, buddy, um, that was it um, on the, I'm glad I, this has been on my, on my list of wanting to do for a long time. I'm glad uh, I did it with you. I'm glad I did. I did. It, it, it was, it was hard. I tried to actually record it by myself and like studio and like a video and it just, it didn't feel good. And this felt way better. Things well, always feel better with you, buddy. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> that's so nice. That's yeah. all you get. That's a, that's the only nice thing you more, get until 
I'm building you all the niceties up, so I can't wait when I'm on stage with you and I can just get to crush your balls. <laughs> hey, speaking of which, on stage, by the way, we still have, I think, like 15 tickets left. Look at that. I think that's fake news. Really? You think we're sold out? I don't know. I have to ask. <clears throat> I think we're. I think we still have some tickets. So if you're deliberating, do it, do it, do it, do it. Maybe you are one of those people that are trapped in one of those states that like you're afraid to like leave your house and stuff like that, or that you're being told you can't leave your house. And now those state legislations are lifting. So if you think that in the next month, it's going to get better, God willing, with your COVID restrictions, it might be time to pull trigger and be around some other people. And Yeah. Or, or if you don't want to come bring your team, like, especially if, yes. you, can, if you can get your office manager, let's say you're all good for the summer and you don't want to go, but like, if you can send, send your office manager to get some time around Erica Craig's um, who's leading our bulletproof team. Now I'm telling you, it will be a wise investment for you. Yeah. And by the way, I'd, I'd, I'd premise that that 10 times guarantee would still be the same because even if you took your office manager and you didn't go I we would guarantee that you'd increase uh your production by 10 times over the next year of what you spend on her or him that's for sure yep yep okay buddy i'm gonna get some i'll let you eat some lunch and i'll see you in a little bit and we'll do the peter maluk i'm excited so if, uh make sure that if you're listening to this pod that you set your reminder for the next time it, or your alerts for the next time it comes out because the next one following this will be peter and it'll be uh, something we should all we should all be paying attention to because For when sure. Peter talks, people like Tony Robbins listen. So we should we yeah, should be listening. Exactly. We should be listening. Um, 100%. And then last thing, I think you know, don't forget if you're a longtime listener and you haven't re- reviewed us, we'd appreciate it. Sometimes those go uh, they go stagnant if we're not asking for it. And um, leave us leave us some love and let us know what you like and don't like. Um, but always leave five stars. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just don't yeah. be like that guy that crushed that guy that crushed me that one time. It hurt my heart. I'm not kidding you. What's this 10 minute shit? Leave that for Instagram. Like, <laughs> you suck. I liked it because it was really more directed towards you. So 100 percent it was. It was my it was my idea. And he just like put my yeah, he crushed me. Um and uh yeah, and if you haven't joined the bulletproof network, you know, go to bulletproof.dental. That's pretty cool. That's very active. I get in there and bang some stuff out the other day, and it was it's nice to just see dentist helping dentists. Yeah. And by the way, that's a perfect venue. If you want to pick anybody's brain, because you can crowdsource it and believe me, whatever challenge you have that you want input on, there's hundreds of other colleagues of ours that have the same challenge. So mm-hmm. let's create that conversation there because we want to help as many people as possible and texting and emailing a one-off question is not the best venue to do that. So join that today. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay, buddy. Good one. Okay. See Over now. See you. Uh, talk Bye. to you soon. Thanks.